Today, when people want uh, information about something, they usually go to the Internet. www.something, and they pull up the information that we want. Now, we all know that even though something is on the Internet, it doesn't mean that it's true or accurate. <laughs> well, today I want to give you some important information about some important aspects of life. And we're going to go to www.solomon. Now, that's not a website, but it's a location in the scriptures. King Solomon from the Old Testament wrote several books in the Bible. But they're not his words. They're God's words to us. And that www stands for three important topics that Solomon teaches us about. Wealth, worship, and wisdom. Today we're just going to focus on the topic of wealth, and we'll do the other topics in the Sundays that follow. Well, what did he know about wealth? Well, listen to how the scriptures describe his life. The king had a fleet of trading ships at sea, along with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years, it returned, carrying gold, silver, and ivory, and apes and baboons. Now, that's an interesting thing, <laughs> but we'll leave that alone for now. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. God gave him wisdom. He gave him wisdom also about wealth. And so today we want to hear his words, God's words to us, about real wealth. Now, as I said, Solomon wrote a number of books in the Old Testament. Song of Solomon. A lot of the Proverbs were written by him, and we'll take a look at those next week. He wrote some Psalms. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, a book that he wrote, we think, toward the end of his life, as he reflects back on life and all of its experiences. And from that, he's trying to lead us to see what is the real purpose and the real meaning of all those experiences in life. We're going to look at his words about wealth. Here's how he starts. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water groves for of, of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. 
I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was, my, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because we tend to put a lot of emphasis or have a lot of interest in wealth, in money. And what Solomon is actually telling us is that wealth can break you. You see, we tend to think just the opposite. The more money I have, the better off I will be. And therefore, we pursue those high salary positions. And we want to make sure we protect our savings and our investments and we also spend wisely because we don't want to waste our money. Well, most of the time. Sometimes we do like to waste our money. That is, if we have enough, sometimes we like to spend it on things that will bring us some pleasure, some extra joy in life because, you know what? We work hard and sometimes life is miserable and this is going to help me get through. What Solomon was pointing out is that wealth has some interesting paradoxes to it, a, a contradiction. First of all, he points out to us that possessions may bring problems, not solutions. Because sometimes we just think, I never have enough. And what I have isn't good enough. I need more. I need something better. Of course, Things we have and gather, sometimes they break down, they wear out, something better comes along, and then we need more. What happens is we have to toil, we have to work harder to get all of those things then. And sometimes all of that just brings more disappointment. Possessions can bring problems. Solomon was also showing us that Things aren't everything. In other words, 
Life is more than wealth and money and possessions. Although we sure have a way of looking at it differently, don't we? Because we tend to evaluate our life and, and maybe the lives of others by what they have or, or how much they earn. But as our Lord tells us, we shouldn't measure life by wealth. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. It seems that wealth can actually break us. So as you look at your life and your money, your possessions, ask yourself this. Has wealth left me broke? Now by broke, I don't mean that, you know, you don't have anything in the checkbook, you can't pay today's bills, or you can't buy something new right now you have to hold off. No, I mean has wealth broken you in regard to what you view as important, what is valuable? Has wealth broken your relationship with God. Because, you see, sometimes we look at possessions and, and our money and think that that's the most important thing. And that's what we focus our attention on. That's what we give our life to achieving. But the paradox here is that wealth can break you. We think more of it fills our life and it's good, but wealth can actually empty us. So we need to beware of wealth's breaking power. Solomon's going to explain some more. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This, too, is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart, and what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. You see, we tend to start adding up all of our possessions and all of our wealth. But what Solomon is pointing out is that wealth can actually bring you bankruptcy. It can empty you out completely. The Apostle Paul picks up on Solomon's words and gives us a little advice. We heard those words a few minutes ago. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into, into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, 
but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. From Solomon's words and from the Apostle Paul's words, we can make a list of dangers that possessions can bring to our life and then cause us to be bankrupt. Here's the list. First of all, he said, temptations, it can bring you temptations and traps. That temptation starts with just that desire in your heart. Maybe it's based on a feeling of being dissatisfied, not having enough, and so you want more. And as you get more and enjoy that, then you want even more and then more, and it's called greed. And sometimes that greed, that desire for more, leads us to be dishonest, to cheat, maybe even to steal. Paul says that becomes a trap because then we have set a pattern for ourselves, a a habit, an addiction, if you will, and then we're caught, we're stuck. That, he said, can simply lead lead to ruin and destruction. We've heard stories of people who've lost it all because they were gambling. Or maybe lost it all because they put their, their, all their effort and such into certain investments, and those investments failed. And then as they look at how they have lost everything, they really do believe they've lost everything. That life is now ruined. Some people in that desire, that, that drive for possessions and wealth, have even caused destruction in other people's lives. Marriages have been ruined. Friendships and other relationships have been ruined. Businesses have been ruined. And the lives of the workers have been ruined because of greed. Paul says it can also lead to all kinds of evil. Having all that wealth and then looking for ways to use it and enjoy it can lead people to sin, could lead people into crime. It's just the way greed drives us. In fact, he warns that that, that, greed, that greed can drive us away from God, that we lose faith. Because now it's not in God we trust, but in our money we trust. Because if I have that, then I have whatever I need, whatever I want. And when I have whatever I need and whatever I want, well, I get rather proud. See, I've accomplished this. I've gained this for myself. And when we have more of that, then we seem to need less of God. And that wealth, those possessions, tend to pull us away from God because then that becomes the thing we need to give our attention to. We need to use those things. We need to enjoy those things. And so I have less time for God. And it can drive us to losing faith. That will simply bring many griefs to our life. Worry, depression, relationship problems, even if it even affects our character. Paul said, warn those who are rich not to become arrogant, to think they're better off than others, to ignore the needs of others. They think they can't relate, and so they don't associate with others. Bottom line, if you add up all those negatives, it simply shows us money can make a mess of life if you let it. Do you check your bank balance often? It's a good thing to do, right? 
we want to make sure we have enough money in that uh, checking account to cover the bills that we're going to pay. We want to make sure there's a, enough in that account so when we slide that credit card or that debit card, we can cover that expense. It's a very wise thing to do. And we always want to make sure that we have something set aside for those emergencies. We don't want to put ourselves in a disastrous situation. Do you check your heart balance? How rich are you with God? Now, you might think, well, if I, I keep things balanced out like this, I'm fine, you know. 50% of my life uh, is focused with, with, with uh, possessions and things, and 50% with God. You know, it only takes a little bit to tip it the wrong way. And so what you want to do is make sure that you have put more attention on God. Tip the balance of your heart in favor of God. And the more you put God in your life, the more you will be blessed and rich. How do we do that? You know, sometimes we will talk about how there are certain things that are just draining our checkbook or our pocketbook. And so we look for ways to, to cut off that drain. We have to do the same with our heart. Are there things that are draining God from our heart? Well, you look at all these possessions and, and you wonder, but don't I need them? And doesn't God give them to me? So how then should we view those possessions that we have? Well, Solomon gives us the proper perspective on real wealth. This is what I observe to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. In other words, what he's telling us is that wealth can be a blessing. It doesn't have to break you. It doesn't have to bankrupt you. It can be a blessing to you. It all depends on how you view it. See the wealth, the possessions you have, as coming from God, recognizing that God will always provide what you need. Oh, sometimes we think we need more, sometimes we want more, but God has always told us he will always give us exactly what we need. God gives that to us often through our work. And so our working is how God gifts us. And that's how we should view what we have, as gifts from God. The Apostle James told us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights, with whom there is no change like shifting shadows. In other words, God is faithful to provide us what we need and to bless us. Therefore, Solomon tells us, 
Enjoy what God has given you. Use it in pleasing ways. Use it in ways that are beneficial to you and others. And use it in ways that will give thanks to God. Don't abuse it. Don't be controlled by it. In other words, he's telling us wealth can be a blessing when we use it for godly purposes. To meet our needs, to meet the needs of others, and also to use those gifts to provide for the work of the church. For God asks us to give back to him a portion of what he has given to us so that we can carry out the work he has assigned us to do. Wealth can be a blessing, but only when you put God on top, recognizing that he is the greatest wealth that we have. He demonstrated that for us in giving us his son, Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. It doesn't matter what's in your checkbook, what your investments are, or how much you have around you. In Christ, you are rich. Because Christ came into this world to bring you into his kingdom. He laid aside his glory as God and assumed our human form and lived all of his days perfectly to pay the debt that we owe to God, perfect obedience. He even paid the penalty that was due for that debt that we owed when he laid down his life under God's justice to pay for our sins. When he took up his life again in the resurrection, he was assuring us that we too will live forever in God's kingdom. That, my friends, is our greatest wealth. And Jesus advises us to be rich in that. He says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, treasures in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My friends, you can be rich toward God and rich in this life, with God, just set your heart on his kingdom to experience just how wealthy you are, to know his grace that forgives you, his grace that blesses you, his grace that leads you to eternal life. Young Chin, as a teacher in our high school program now, you have the privilege of encouraging our young people in that faith to come to the riches of that kingdom of God. You know, we all have a way of measuring our wealth by things that are around us. Well, look at what God has given you, his word and the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. The very price that was paid to save this world is given to you in the bread and the wine, Jesus' body and blood, to assure you that you are in his kingdom and you are rich in his grace. So if you're looking for some information about wealth, how to get rich in life, go to www.solomon. 
and listen to his advice on wealth. He simply tells us this, in God, you have it all. Amen.